time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 20th of June. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Coming up over the next hour, how do you go about getting the right person for the leadership role in your organisation? What are the individual leadership styles that impact most on an organisation? Well, Theresa Hand Campbell of THC Consult will be along shortly to talk about exactly that and the key points that you should look for, particularly important in a post-COVID world as we can all pretty much claim that the way we work and how work happens has changed indefinitely. Also, Learning in the Hubs is a brand new partnership between 11 remote working hubs across the Midlands and the Technological University of the Shannon. It was launched in Athlone last week by Ministers Heather Humphreys and Simon Harris. Full details from Michael Tobin, Dean of Faculty at the Department of Lifelong Learning in Tuse Athlone at around half past seven this evening. And also, if you were a woman and you're employed in the technology sector, did you know that there is a networking event taking place this coming Saturday in the Ardona Analytics Lab in Mullingar? It's been hosted by Women in Tech and one of the co-founders of that grouping, Sharon Keane of Zincworks, will be along at around quarter to eight this evening to tell us about the group, why it was set up, what its objectives are and also to tell you how you can get involved in that networking event that's taking place this coming Saturday. That and anything else that breaks across the evening in terms of business, I'll bring you those stories as they come to me. If you want to join the conversation on this evening, show. As always, you can do, do so by text or WhatsApp on 083 103 and as always, be delighted to hear um, from you and what's happening in your business and indeed in your world over the last couple of days since I last spoke to you on air. But to kick off this evening, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Lisa Bracken and Lorraine Winter and they are from Flowers by Lisa. It is a new flower shop that was set up on High Street in Tullamore back in March of this year and uh, both women join me in the studio now and I have to say, given the weather conditions out there, a hot and balmy Midlands 103 studio but such has been the case for the past couple of weeks. But anyway, Lisa and Lorraine, you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business. Hi, Thanks, Ronan. Thank you. Your business is new and I must say it is amazing to see a new business setting up on the high street of our towns. We hear so much about businesses moving outside the towns and it is fantastic that a business like yours in Flowers isn't just from a warehouse, some faceless place in the middle of nowhere. It really is all about the people as well. But your um, experience with Flowers goes quite, quite uh, far back. Between you, you've over 47 years of experience in the craft. Lisa, for yourself, how did it all begin? Um... I started with Benny and Joe in Church Street. Um, I went in from school on work experience. And after the two weeks, Benny said, would you like to stay on a summer job? I said, yeah, and continued on from then. I stayed, I left school and stayed on there. And I've been in the flower business ever since. Wow, something just obviously caught you. You had a natural talent for it, obviously a bit of a love for it too, and it's remained. Lorraine, about yourself, when did you kind of first get into the um, flower range? It would have been 19 business? years ago. Um, I would have been called in when Jimmy Martin took over the business after Benny and Joe sold. And uh, I used to just go in at the weekends or to help out in the shop. And then we were, I'd be roped in then for the busy times, Christmas, Valentine's, and Mother's Day. So I went from there then to being brought in then to do full-time work. 
So whose idea was it to actually go and open up your own shop? I think it was kind of both of us kind of decided we'd go and give it a go ourselves. Been a long time working for somebody else, so why not? Yeah, big move. How has business been since you opened? Oh, absolutely phenomenal. Can't, can't get over the support we're after getting from the local. Everybody has been great. Best wishes All from everyone. All the business is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The people at the town, just. Brilliant. Demand is probably high as absolutely, ever. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's just coming in. The field they have to, to support is to come in and to buy something in the shop. Yeah, you know. So great. already you've, it's justified taking a premises on on the high street of the town. But you... oh yeah, definitely. Do you know? And we didn't realize how busy like the main street of the town was because we've always been down side streets and yeah. you know, and people just popping in on the way by. Yeah. Saying they didn't realize it was a flower shop there and just coming in to say hello and then coming yeah. back maybe. And even people passing through going, we had a couple that came in from they were passing through, they were on holidays and they came in to buy a bouquet to bring wherever they were going uh, and then we had another couple that was going to Cork and they came in and got uh, some Brilliant. stuff for grapes. Yeah, that's fantastic yeah. And, and again it justifies it and maybe goes against what people might automatically assume about footfall in towns and I suppose for Tullamore I know other towns have had work done and some are getting work done at the minute the fact the streets are now opened up and the art centre maybe links the top of the town with the yeah. rest of the town and, and hopefully that helps too but from a business perspective then you've obviously you've many years experience in the trade as well um, had you got like the insights were you working previously like in terms of placing orders like where where do fresh flowers come from? Well I do I do the order online so they they come direct from Holland and we place an order twice a week um, they come in twice a week then so I've kind of been doing that for maybe the last 20 odd years. And they so deliver directly to store then, is it? And you be on pack and you begin to, you know, obviously tailor bouquets or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're delivered to the shop. They, we have to condition them. Um, you know, Especially them. in this weather. Yeah. You have to yeah. kind of, like people don't realise the amount of work that goes into just all the buckets that we use. They have to be bleached. Right. And then water filled, and we have to kind of fill them fairly full now this time because the water, especially with the heat, drinking an awful lot of water. Yeah, so, so like then, standing in the shop is yeah. really only a small part of your day. Like oh, there's a lot yeah. goes on, let's say, outside of normal oh, yeah. hours then. Oh, yeah. 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 And do you have to have any special storage conditions then, or, you know, as well as bleaching buckets, like do you have to store them under certain conditions, certain temperatures? Does that vary per flower? or? Well, it's preferably that it's cool. Uh, we have an air conditioner in the shop we were in we were lucky that was already there so we're using that at the moment to keep the yeah. place fairly cool mm. um, so that's probably another reason some people are coming in off the street to get a bit of the <laughs> Make use of the aircon, I tell you. But yeah, I, I said I'll, I'll turn our own aircon here on during the break as well. It's a bit noisy for during the show, but uh, such as such as the heat, so we can all we can all agree and, and empathise with that one anyway. So again, I suppose you're given a sense there of the amount of work that has to happen behind the scenes, and those flowers generally they're all kind of maybe grouped per flower. You didn't have to take them and maybe make arrangements for display in the shop, or else uh, customer um, arrangements for for customers too. Oh yeah, but like if we have weddings or that, there's going to be specific flowers brought in just for them. And the same like with some of the hotels, we have the arrangements. Uh, we have special flowers comes in for them. And then if we're doing the church as well, we have to have certain flowers for their arrangements because 
they want them obviously long lasting. So kind of yeah. specified, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're used to meeting deadlines too. Always. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. always someone all, wants them at a particular time. Behind, as well. Yeah, we're always yeah. working in time. Because like people say I'll collect at certain times and then you could have about like this morning we had about eight orders for all the one time. Yeah. And like two of us in the shop putting away the flowers first and then trying to get out the orders for people for deliveries and collections. So it can be hands on pretty hard. And <laughs> from a supply chain perspective, you know, have you ever encountered any issues with product coming in? I know maybe during COVID there was a lot of upheaval as well, but are deliveries generally quite standard, quite regular? You're never getting let down from that side of things? No, oh, 99% of the time they're always delivered and they're there before we get into work. So once we go in, then we start preparing them for the buckets and once we have given them an hour or so in water, we can start working on them. Yeah. But there's always loads of things to do. Yeah. Preparation, like yeah. reed work, there's green and then... Yeah. Never mind the, the, the administrative side of the business too. Yeah. Do you take orders online as well or through, through social media social or is it media. generally... Social media so far we're... And we have two phone lines then as well. So they're kind of constantly going. So and then you we have will the shop. we will do um, an online shop maybe early next year we'll try yeah, and get it's that. still it's still yeah. early early days for you but actually this coming Saturday you're you're having an official launch of sorts any of the shop as well what have you planned for that? I'm <sighs> kind of just going to have a, an open day we're going to have Benny and Joe uh, do the honours for us. Oh lovely! Because uh, that's where it would have started for us all. So. Um, then we're going to have a bit of uh, food and Prosecco and some music. And it's just more or less like a thank you to the people for supporting us. Just a little give back and all is welcome. Brilliant. Brings people into the town again. Another yeah. reason yeah. to celebrate as well. Isn't it? Congratulations. It's a, it's a great to see. And again, it's another unit that was sitting idle there for a while. Just new lease of life put into it as well. And I'd love to hear you saying that you're noticing quite a good footfall around the town and, and you know, probably would never expect the passing trade of people passing through the town but again mm. all, all adds to it as well Lisa you of course people will probably be familiar with you from you know you do some voluntary work around the town you're, you're heavily involved with accessible counselling Tullamore and uh, have you got your golf clubs ready for Friday there's a golf classic <laughs> yeah. I believe coming up there's a golf classic on Friday and we're still looking for a little bit of help with um, maybe sponsoring um, uh, a tea box or a green or even if there's anybody you know that they can enter a four ball into the, the classic we'd really appreciate trying to get you said this time like any, yeah. any sort of sponsorship or any yeah. contributions would be would be well welcomed anyway so again accessible yeah. counselling to Lamore as you'll probably be aware many of you set up by the late James O'Connor and providing that walk-in counselling service for not just people in around Tullamore but actually in the surrounding county and indeed some of the neighbouring counties as well um, a much needed service and a crucial one too so that golf classic has taken place this uh, Friday so as Lisa says plenty of opportunities for some uh, sponsorship there if um, you're in a position to do so best way to get in touch I think is by just giving them a call on 057-9352879 and uh, your money will go to a great cause as well 
for now ladies thank you so much for uh, joining me in this warm and balmy studio and all the very best with your endeavour as you move forward thank Thanks you. Ronan. Thank you. thank you that's Lisa Bracken there and Lorraine Winter of Flowers by Lisa and check out uh, this Saturday afternoon there they're having an official opening event and uh, taking it right back to the start with uh, you know uh, with um, the original employers and the people who actually got them into the flowers in the first instance what a, a lovely to see that circularity and it closing out time now for me to take a quick break after that we're going to talk all things leadership in the workplace Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. A big thank you to Lisa and Lorraine there from Flowers by Lisa who were on me before the break as well and lots of you got in touch as well to wish the ladies all the best with their new venture as well including Magella in Mount Mellick there she's wishing Lisa and Lorraine the very best with their new venture oh, sorry from Paul and Magella in Mount Mellick thank you for your text if you want to text me here in the studio 083 3010 103 is the text and WhatsApp number. Always happy to hear from you. Still to come between now and 8pm, we'll hear about learning in the hubs, a new partnership between the 11 remote working hubs across the Midlands and the Technological University of the Shannon. And also, you'll be invited to a Women in Tech event that's taking place in Mullingar this Saturday morning. Co-founder of Women in Tech, Sharon Keane of Zincworks, will be here to outline the origins of the group and its objectives and indeed to tell you how you can get involved in that networking event. Much more on that a little bit later in the show. But now, a month has passed since Theresa Hand Campbell was with me, and Theresa, as you know, has been joining me over the past couple of months to talk all things organisational development and behaviour. This evening, we're going to focus on leadership. And as if you didn't, as if you needed a reminder, Theresa was recently crowned as a business all-star by the All-Star Business Foundation as Psycho- Psychology Visionary of the Year for 2023. She comes with a very, very extensive CV and a huge amount of industry experience and we've kind of termed or titled this little feature Wired for, Wired for Success Knowing Me and Understanding You and Teresa works with organisations and individuals about co-creating that great place to work where everybody has a role and if you follow up from recent discussions we had around everything from diversity and inclusion right up to kind of last time we touched on that whole idea of leadership so much so that we're going to focus on that for this evening's piece Teresa you're very welcome back to taking care of business thank you Theresa, leadership is one of those terms, I'd say if you stick it into Google and hit enter, you're probably going to get about 28 million hits on it. <laughs> Everybody thinks they know what it is. Nobody maybe really knows what it is. Mm-hmm. When we speak about leadership, what, what, do you, what, what does leadership mean to you and I suppose in the context of the work that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very broad term used and uh, I have many thoughts on it. I mean, obviously you can't be a leader unless you have a committed followership. But you have to have certain key qualities and attributes that would render you a leader. So that's not to say that the right people get in the role. So you can have a leader from hell or you can have a leader who is very emotionally intelligent, very clued in and understands that leadership is an ongoing journey and the development of that leadership skill and competency and in all its facets is an ongoing journey across your leadership role, whatever it is. So I suppose you could look at leadership. There are five levels of leadership that I call the five P's. Position, permission, production, people development and pinnacle, reaching your pinnacle. But uh, it's how, you know, in in my uh, work as an organisational psychologist, we talk about fitting the man to the job and fitting the job to the man, which really hits on that whole notion of getting the person job fit right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's incumbent in any 
organisation to try to hit it right in terms of their choice of leader. That's a really interesting one. And we'll come back to those five P's because I'm going to ask you, is leadership then, is it is it often contextual? So if you were maybe an appointed leader of a business mm-hmm. back in 2013, post-economic crash, at a terrible time to be in business, you know, lots of maybe mm-hmm. cuts, lots of, mm-hmm. you know, issues in terms of maybe sales and margins, stuff like that as well. So maybe is a certain type of leadership needed then versus maybe 2023, where we entered this post-COVID environment, mm-hmm. where it really has become an employee's the mm-hmm. jobs market and certainly a lot of mm-hmm. the employees now has a huge amount of power in terms of maybe the future direction of the company and, sure. and how we formulate its strategies as well. Sure. Can the same leader, um, I suppose, steer the ship through all those various kind of storms mm-hmm. or does can a certain type of leader really show their worth at certain times? If you have flexibility and adaptability, I recently came across, you know, we've all heard of IQ and EQ, the emotional intelligence. I have come across adaptability quotient now. Okay. So they reckon adaptability is the new currency for leadership going forward in an uncertain world. So adaptability, the ability to work with different individuals and different groups, but also the ability to change your mind based on new information. So that hints at the ongoing learning journey across your career span. So nobody comes with all the solutions. But I, a key ingredient for me is an openness to learn and a highly developed self-awareness and organizational awareness. Know the chain of command and know your impact from the top down in a distributed style and how you your influence and your impact affects others. It's it's power is a funny thing. You have to respect it and a You've got a lot of people's lives and their happiness and maybe their futures in your hands. So I believe that a lot of people, once they reach the leadership position, they plateau. They have arrived and they feel, well, I'm here. Mm. A certain, for some reason, and I suppose he was back in the media again recently, but a certain... uh, former UK Prime Minister comes to mind straight mm. away when you when you speak about, you know, putting people's mm. lives in danger and all the, the mm. fallout from, from what happened there. Mm. Um, so I suppose the question there then, if an organisation is looking at selecting a leader, and this can be a small organisation, quite mm. a large one, um, sometimes it can go wrong too, as, as we can see in the UK. I mean, we, mm. most countries have elected bad leaders at some point mm-hmm. too. I guess, right, that's democracy for you. There's a voting mm-hmm. system there. Um, what maybe... Ha- do companies sometimes really get it wrong in terms of leaders and, and what are the, is there common mistakes maybe that they make when they try to select that person because it's, the time has got to be right for the person too, I'd imagine. Yeah, the conundrum always is, are we best off bring in from the outside or go from within? Uh, they reckon that the key challenge going forward is retaining the leadership bench and it's really under strain. So the go-to there is to know your workforce, know the talent you have at your fingertips, know the key potentials and lubricate the the avenues to develop them. Mm. Right? So you know your potentials within. They have invested in growing the culture of the workplace. They have shown certain key uh, competencies and attributes and qualities that you know is needed. There's often an unspoken in it, but you know that's the one. Now, during COVID, a lot of 
potential leaders came out of the woodwork. The ones who were willing to come forward and say, right, how can I help? The ones that were that showed the ability to take a risk and to pull up their sleeves and help out. Mm. Now, I can, of course, you know, there are certain personalities who are born to lead. I can run a psychometric test on a workforce or on the key potentials based on the competencies I'm after. And I can pull from that. I wouldn't totally depend on it, but it's a very, very good, strong indicator of what I'm after. So if I were doing a 16 PF, for instance, I'd be looking at a results focus. I'd be looking at the integrity of the person. I'd be looking at their capabilities, cultivating innovation, etc. And I'd be looking at their direction, inspiring, inspiring with vision, etc. If I were to, I'm a, a multi-science analyst using the DISC model. So if I were to do a trimetric HD on you as you stand, I would be able to report back to you your key behavioural styles, dominance, influence, steadiness and compliance. I would be able to report back to you your driving forces, your primary driving forces, which are nearly like your personality traits. They don't change. They're set. Your situational driving forces and your indifferent driving forces. I'd be able to benchmark 25 of your competencies, the really strong ones, right down to the ones that you need to develop. And that can be done... I can at a stage maybe where somebody isn't say they're not there isn't they're not it's not that they're going to move into a leadership position, but you could start maybe focusing on the planting, people within your the seeds. that that may be Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. And a, then there's sorry. emotional intelligence across the emotional and social intelligences, which is a brilliant in-depth report. But finally, there are very few in Ireland qualified in axiology. Uh, I'm one of about four or five. And axiology has got to do with your acumen your value system, your worldview and your, your self-view. And I would look, upon, look at it through your intrinsic, your extrinsic and your systemic. Inside, outside and within the system. That is powerful. That is absolutely powerful. So if you could imagine an MRI, yeah. that is an MRI of the personality across so five different disciplines. Surely it is an indicator as to one's potential to build on. Is there any data or is there kind of like a a set point, not a set point, but a, a stage of people's careers maybe within a certain age range where they're likely to score better because maybe they have a wider worldview, they've got more of a better sense of who they are. Could you have somebody, say, at a graduate coming out of college who scores quite high on that versus somebody maybe who has 25 uh, years industry experience? It's amazing. It's amazing the results I get. Um, they recommend, particularly with the axiology, to avoid using it with the younger age group because they're not evolved yet. They're even their emotional intelligence, which you work on right across your lifespan, hasn't evolved or emerged to a certain uh, uh, state of maturity yet. But I have, I have used it on, on a variety of people and it is amazing even those in their late 20s, early 30s, how evolved they are in terms of worldview and self-view. Yet I have used it on CEOs of companies and why they may have scored very, very well on mm. their worldview, 
it's their self-view that's pulling them back. So the imposter syndrome is alive and well and maybe traumatic life incidences that they're stuck in or on may be holding them back. Absolutely. Well, I'm usually about five or six years late for most TV series. I started watching watching Succession a couple of weeks ago. I have about three episodes in and I can see what you mean from this. <laughs> sometimes the wrong people can get to the top I or know. get there by, 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 by birthright. But take us back to those five Ps and let's think about a smaller organisation because for a lot of small companies or SMEs, taking on that first new hire, maybe somebody into a senior position, you may be going outside a family, you may be going outside mm-hmm. those group of people who originally set the building or the business up. It's a huge outlay. It's a huge potential risk as well. So if mm-hmm. people are looking to bring somebody in into a leadership position, it doesn't have to be the top position, but maybe a senior position in the company. What should, what, you know, as, as an SME owner, what should people be looking for? And what are the kind of practical tips they can do to ensure that the person, you know, meets all that kind of criteria or at least is showing signs of having the good attributes? I think they should go all out to get the person job fit right. They should do the investment in the psychometrics. They should go through a, a, a benchmarking the key competencies that are required for optimum fulfillment of the role. Obviously, if you have the look of working alongside somebody, you've seen them in action. It is a risk to take an outsider in. But obviously, you would cross all the T's and dot the I's in terms of your research into somebody, their background and how they have performed in the past. I think, obviously, times of crisis are a great test on uh, people's self-reliance and their leadership acumen. Leaders, I believe are not particularly born, but they can be coached and moulded as they evolve in their workspace. But they've got to have the openness and the humility to actually learn. And we all learn vicariously by watching others in action. So if you have somebody with the appetite for it, with the vision and the ability to win the trust of a workforce, and when they voice that vision, that influence actually has impact that's where you're working. But if you have an outside leader who comes in and decides, I'm going to change this around in here and changes the culture of the workplace overnight, it's like pulling a great oak up by the roots. It, If you could consider culture, people's core values, their heart and soul has gone into creating that culture in the workplace. If an outsider comes in and disregards that, they're on the wrong footing from the word go. And the culture and maybe that disruption to culture then is very, very topical again at the minute or it's such a pertinent area to discuss because you might have an outside leader coming into a business or you may have somebody internally who maybe mm-hmm. people don't maybe have that full belief is ready for the position. But you mentioned the ad- adapt- adaptability index. You've also now got a world that three years ago everybody was just working as normal and then sure. all of a sudden this working from home became a thing. Mm-hmm. Organisational cultures got really ripped apart mm-hmm. and had to be re-examined as well. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, it's probably not surprising to hear that adaptability is is something that's emerging that people will measure as well. How does that differ from resilience? And I guess, what are the kind of key leadership things in a post-COVID world? Well, the resilience, as a raw master practitioner, I can actually benchmark resilience across five pillars. Energy, future focus, inner drive, flexible thinking and strong relationships. So if I were to go into a company in the morning, I can do an in-depth report for each individual, which will remain in confidence with them. But I can draw from each of the reports and come up with a team report. 
so I can report back, okay, you've got a gap of maybe 26% in your energy. However, strong relationships, you have a gap of 42. You need to watch that. So we need to look at team and team building. It's, it's a very strong indicator for any a leader in an organisation. I believe that a lot of leaders are sitting on a treasure trove of talent. Mm. So doing the talent audit and then doing the talent task match. So if you match me to a t- my talent, I'm going to excel and I'm going to be really engaged and I'm going to be buzzing. But if you set me to something that I'm not exactly fitted for, you're going to get disengagement. Now, the Gallup report, the most recent report, would say that uh, disengagement in the workforce is increasing worldwide. Mm. And, and it was it was quite high. Already. It has always been very high, isn't yes, it, the amount of people it's, who it's are... it's actually getting more, mm. more acute. So, if you consider the distraction of social media, the distraction of the screen, its impact on... Gen Z and the millennials in terms of their ability to concentrate, to retain information and to take instruction and retain instruction and follow things through. The whole propensity to skim rather than deep read is really impacting the quality of the employee and the quality of the work that's being done. Mm. It is as the way where information has been given to us and the big, particularly social media sites their algorithms are, you know, mm. they're, they're, they're top of the game in terms of those quick digests. It's going to be the greatest challenge mm. for the greatest challenge for leaders going forward is to actually a, a capture the engagement of the workforce and get the productivity. Well, I think you've just kind of whetted our appetite maybe for next month's discussion. I think we might look at that whole thing around engagement and how mm-hmm. do you, I suppose, number one, check for engagement levels. Sure. But, and if they are low, which let's be honest, in most cases, they probably are quite low and lower mm-hmm. than you might think. How do you go about increasing those engagement levels? And it's obviously more than just uh, workplace initiatives. It's really about mm-hmm. finding that overall balance. I think Teresa, it's part of the loss maybe of the working from home. That interesting. Is and it's thing that definitely want to follow and up on next thank month. thank you again for having me. Teresa, it's an absolute pleasure as always. Time just zips past. Mm, if I anybody know. wants to find out more about Teresa's fantastic work, thcconsult.ie. Teresa's basically house in Athlone and mm-hmm. uh, always happy to take calls and to help you steer your organisation in the right direction Theresa thank you again and we'll talk to you again next month as well thank you thank you so much time now for a quick break after that you're going to find out about learning in the hubs it's a new partnership between the 11 remote working hubs around the Midlands and the Technological University of the Shannon taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business in about 10 minutes time you'll get some information on a women in tech networking event networking event that's taking place in Mullencar this coming Saturday um, Sharon Keane from Zincworks is a co-founder of that group and will outline exactly why you should attend and what you can gain from being a part of that network before that though I'm going to go across to Athlone I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Michael Tobin Michael is Dean of Faculty for Continuing Professional Online and Distance Learning at TUS in Athlone and just last week Ministers Heather Humphreys and Simon Harris were in Athlone to launch a new partnership between 11 remote working hubs across the Midlands and the Technological University of the Shannon. Uh, very good evening, Michael. Good evening, Roman. How are you? Michael, take us through, I suppose, the key points of this new partnership between the hubs and the university. What um, brought it about, I suppose, and what are the kind of key objectives of it? 
Okay, Ron, thanks very much for having us. Listen, um, what we've been doing I suppose, since pre-COVID was we've looked at the remote working hubs that we have set up across the country. In particular, people look at, say, Tullamore, they'd see the Junction or they look at Monagard, they've got, should we say, the e-working centre. And these are fantastic facilities which enable people to go in to work, to access online, uh, should we say, broadband, uh, to have warm environments, etc. So we in the university said, how could we benefit these hubs, right? And how could we benefit our students? Because within the faculty that I have responsibility for, we have moved from a face-to-face model to a model now where we're 100% online. And what we were seeing is a number of our students were actually meeting in groups and in study groups, in hotel lobbies and talking about projects, etc. So we said, why don't we actually merge and marry both? So back in 2001 or 2021, we started the concept of learning gates. And we began to accredit certain hubs as being learning gates. And over the period, we've actually got 11 uh, hubs, should we say, in the Midlands region who are actually learning gates. Bloom HQ, Coworks, Ehive, Streamber, Vision 85, The Junctions, Bull Factory, Port Arlington Enterprise Centre, Webmail, I just put them all there, including the Banner Flow Enterprise Centre. And then what actually happened was, as we developed these, we met with Connected Hubs, which is part of the Western Development Commission. And we said, why don't we make this a national, should we say, organisation, where what we're going to do is offer a new proposition, which is called Learning in the Hubs. So what we're actually doing now is, we've taken two programmes, a Certificate of Entrepreneurship and a Bachelor of Business, and we're actually delivering them online into the hubs. And what we're also doing then is we're delivering these part-time programs solely for adults in the hours from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. two mornings a week. So they're not evening programs, and they're done at this time to facilitate the adult learner who may be working part-time during the day or who may have family or other care commitments. And we're enabling them now go into the hub, access the actual lectures online, and actually become part of the student body from an online perspective, remotely from their hub. So whether you're in Donegal or in Cork or in Kerry, right, we have hubs who are now joining us and they will become learning gates. So we deliver our programs online into these. And is, so you're, just, you're almost trying to replicate in some ways that classroom environment because I can imagine a lot of your students, and you probably, you'd see this probably firsthand, that not everybody has a laptop or a PC at home. People are probably trying to join by whatever means they can, depending on the own, I suppose, the technology level that exists in their house. So providing services like this and linking with connected hubs, it almost seems like a, it, it is probably something that you gleaned from maybe feedback from students or it's just where you saw the kind of the need for in that sector going. I think the need in the sector is going. I mean, look, if we've all become very, um, should we say, used to using Zoom and Teams, etc., post-COVID, right? But we also have to recognise that we don't all have the same broadband facilities. So what the remote working hubs do is they facilitate that access to broadband, to reliable broadband. So we actually have lecturers who also would deliver from these actual hubs. So it's it's a symbiotic relationship. It's both students going in, but also we've actually got the lecturers going who deliver their lectures from there. That increases my ability to identify new faculty members who may be based in Donegal, highly skilled professionals, but who couldn't basically deliver a drive two nights a week to deliver a programme for me down in Athlone. But now they can deliver two nights a week for me sitting up there in Donegal. So it really is, it's about the accessibility to broadband. And indeed, when Minister Humphries was there last week, you know, she was on about the fact that she was out on the islands. And if we look at the Iron Islands, etc., we've now got the facilities to deliver third-level higher education 
into the islands. So again, enabling more people to stay local, live local, and indeed add to our communities, which can only improve our region development and our local economic status for all of us in our various communities. I mean, pre-pandemic, there had been already significant investment from our local authorities in remote working hubs and innovation centres. The pandemic has certainly accelerated that. And we've seen massive investment and particularly the, the rise and the growth of the likes of connected hubs and even organisations like Grow Remote from a work perspective. So the money, the investment has been there. The, you know, the Technological University status of, of Atlone now will also help on that. So there must be more courses then. And, you know, in terms of Springboard Plus courses, both which have been really a huge thing over the last number of years in, in giving people access to courses that are needed within industry, you know, to give them the skill set that industry needs. What's coming down the tracks from a uh, Springboard Plus perspective? Yeah. Now, to flip the conversation on into all our actual courses online, not even exclusively access to the pub, but students who actually take any of these courses online will actually get a discount in going into their local hubs if they want to avail of us. We've also negotiated that. And this discount range is from 40% to 50%. So a student who wants to access, say, the e-working centre in Mullingar might end up paying five euros for their day, which is fantastic and is amazing, right? And that's who wants to do one of our other springboard courses. Again, as I've said to you before, in TUS, we have actually been very fortunate in access and funding for students um, for, from level six right up to level nine programmes. So once again this year, we have a range, and I would say over a thousand part-funded or fully-funded places for students, adults, right, to access learning online, part-time, one or two evenings a week from a level six certificate right the way to, to a level nine master's. So, for example, I have their certificate in quality management, right, I have a certificate in supervisory management, a certificate in logistics and supply chain management, all at level six, and they'd be two nights a week and delivered should we say exclusively online, and they're a one-year program. We've a higher diploma there in leadership, which is a level eight, which is 60 credits again, delivered online over one year. Higher diploma in digital marketing, again, delivered online over one year. We have um, a construction project management certificate, in construction project management, delivered online one semester, starting all of these start in September 23. We've culinary skills, and a number of people I've noticed in recent weeks and months are interested in, in getting a more formalised qualification in culinary skills. And we have a lovely culinary skills certificate there at level six, 60 credits, again one year, and again being delivered, should we say, but well, that one's been delivered on the campus. So they're all the kind of level six programmes we have run. And then on a master's front, we have a postgraduate diploma in executive management. We have a postgraduate diploma, should we say, financial management, in data analytics, in digital marketing, in packaging, innovation, and indeed in quality. And all of those um, postgraduate diplomas progress onto a master's with a 30 credit thesis. So as you can see, we have a range of funded or part funded programs, which we would love people in the Midlands to access. Last year, we had over 4,000 inquiries for our programs, of which 2,000 people registered. And 90% of all those people on will have actually completed their awards successfully, which is fantastic. So we're getting about an 85 to 90% retention and completion strike rate, which is fantastic. Now, students, by the way, are not just from the Midlands. Let's be clear. Yeah. We have students now. We have about 19% from Dublin, 13% from Galway, Cork, 10%, and the remaining 5% from Muscombe, 5% are Offaly, Leash, and Longford. We would find also, just in case people are interested, 
that a lot of our students would study level six. So 65% of our students last year were level six, with the remaining 20% on the level, shall we say, nine, 15% level seven, level eight. The nationalities, which is quite interesting, uh, 73% would be Irish, Polish are 6%, Italian, believe it or not, 4%, and Brazilian, 2%. And we have 46 countries represented, right? And 92%, this is very important, 92% of all our students are actually employed. So these courses are actually part funded, are fully funded, even if you're employed. So I'll let you get in there in case you have any questions. Absolutely. No, I think, I think you have pretty much covered everything on that as well. I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity for people too. And it's really all those kind of pieces fitting in between the hubs, the university, and also the access to those courses that are at large nearly almost fully funded for people. And as you pointed out, a majority of people actually are, are already working too and they're just adding to that skill set. Just Michael, just tell us, where's the best place? Is it the Tooth Flexible Learning website or where, where can people find out more info? Yeah, if people were to look at the TUS Flexible Learning website, our TUS forward slash flexible. Um, but TUS Flexible Learning website, they'll see all of our courses with an actual direct link from there straight into making an application. So look at applications are open. They're filling it fast. We have already had, I would say, about 800 uh, active inquiries about our actual programs. They'll convert to about 500 applications. So people should maybe get online if they can sooner rather than later and apply and register. And once they've done that, then they're set for next September. Get in before it's too late. Dr. Michael Tobin is yeah, always a pleasure. Yeah, I would recommend that. Thank you so much for that this evening as well. And, and congratulations and well done to all involved on, on another great initiative there. And and again, you know, whilst people can now, you know, avail of the education from all across the country, it is creating that kind of community back in the Midlands as well for people to access them and must be commended. Thank you for that, Michael Tobin. That's Michael Tobin there. Michael is the Dean of Faculty of Continuing Professional Online and Distance Learning at TUS at Lone. That website is tusflexiblelearning.ie if you want to find out more. Time now for a quick break. After that, I'm going to let you know about a women in tech event that takes place in Mullingar this coming Saturday. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. A Women in Tech networking event is taking place this coming Saturday at the Ardonna Analytics Lab in Mullingar. To find out more about this and how you can get involved, I'm delighted to be joined by co-founder of Women in Tech, Sharon Keane. Sharon is also Agile Project Manager at Zincworks based in Athlone. A very good evening, Sharon. Hi, Ronan. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Uh, not at all. An absolute pleasure. Um, tell us a little bit very briefly about Women in Tech. Um, why was it set up and what its kind of main objectives are? Yeah, perfect. So the Women in Tech group was started by Ashley Fallon and myself late last year. Uh, we're both part of Zincworks Management and we were having some workshops and discussing the gender balance in the industry. We wanted to understand a little bit more, I suppose, around why teenage girls filling in the CEO don't apply for computer science courses. Um, from this, we decided just to set up a little internal group and we had a couple of our female colleagues discuss about their journeys Um to a career in tech in what's perceived, I suppose, to be a man's world. We had so much fun getting to know all our female colleagues and their stories, their backgrounds, um, and all the little, you know, the little hiccups along the way or the funny little stories that they had to tell um, that we thought it would be a great idea to expand the group into the wider community. Um, so we brought on a couple of more colleagues, Adeli, Romina, Aaron, and Michaela. Um, and we just felt that through the stories we were hearing that a lot of people or a lot of the, the women had either female role models they were aspiring to or really strong female role models within their journeys that helped them along the way. Um, so we thought that bringing those females into the community and organising 
places where the women in tech can network was a great idea. So as the committee expanded, I suppose, we got the help of Sheila Fallon and Mary Giblin in, in TUS um, in the college and they started helping us to organise and promote some networking and knowledge sharing events around that loan. And so one of these events has taken place in Mullingar. Indeed, Ardana would be another company that would be you know, would have a lot of kind of females in their tech side of the business too. Just give us a very brief overview of the event on Saturday. I think it's on from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. But how can get involved and how can people get involved and who are you looking for? Exactly, yeah. So this Saturday we're holding a networking event for women who want to, I suppose, pursue a career in the tech sector. It'll be an excellent opportunity for anybody looking to change into tech or if you're already in tech and you want to upskill and or meet some peers, um, we're going to have many professionals there from um, a lot of different companies. So we have um, ourselves, ThinkWorks. We have our Donna Analytics group who are hosting for us, like you mentioned. We also then have Midlands, Ireland, TUS, FIT, ITAG, Skillnet uh, coming over from Galway. And then we have the Longford Westmead uh, Educational Board as well. Uh, so the idea is that anybody attending should be able to gain insights into some of the latest trends, innovations, and just learn about the different job opportunities, talk to people working in the in the tech sector already, uh, gain some confidence and build some connections there uh, for how they might want to, you know, the different paths into tech and different companies and the, the opportunities that are around the Midlands at the moment. Fantastic. And what's the best way to find the, the actual group itself? Is it across social medias or LinkedIn or have you a, a general contact email? Yeah, so we do have an email. It's womenintech at gmail.com. But we also, I suppose, we're monitoring more the, um, we have our Instagram, women in tech, Midlands Women in Tech, and we also have the LinkedIn group as well. So you can find us on any of those uh, social medias, yeah. It sounds like an absolutely fascinating event and a great group and one that I will definitely come back and cover again. But for now, Sharon Keane, thank you so much for coming on this evening and all the very best with that event. It sounds amazing as well. So Sharon has given out the details you want there, how to follow the group too and uh, get in touch with them. And if you are a woman and you're in tech and you want to expand that network, that's how you go and do so here around the Midlands. That's it for me for this evening. As always, thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure. Um, hopefully you enjoyed tonight's content. Thank you for all your texts. Huge message support for Lisa and Lorraine. And uh, I'll be back next week to do it all again. Joe Cooney's here after news at 8 goodbye Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business